I'm Ben Klunt. And I'm Stephen Brown. In 2019, we started this podcast as an accountability tool for our health and our business goals. Through our discussions, interviews, and sharing of our successes and difficulties, we've learned we have a passion for leadership. In 2020, we're striving to grow our own leadership abilities by focusing on learning from great leaders in business and life, and continue to share our successes and struggles on this journey. We'll continue to have raw and candid conversations while sharing our own insights and experiences with our goal being to grow as leaders and as people. You're You're listening listening to Ordinary to Extraordinary. up on the screen it's showing up that's a good start and i could hear us through the headphones so that's usually looked, a good but, thing uh, last you said our listens were pretty good so thanks folks we had a record month we did we really yeah huge month a, a record yeah just do one month on the thing and look at the number a one month on the thing leaving office oh no i just got your text message ben was late today folks i was he was late i was helping clients <laughs> the market's in the toilet. <laughs> Ben's job sucks right now. It's not in the toilet. It was one down day that's bad. It's like three down days in a row. Yesterday was like flat. Yeah. But we're down like probably five Four or six percent. percent. Yeah. Yeah. Or more. Yet for the well, it closed down three and a half. So that's nice for people that are sitting on cash, right, Ben? Yeah, or the people that are conservatively allocated. Yeah. I mean, it's only nice if you put that cash to work in something. Oh, well, I will. I just don't think we're at the bottom yet. I was saying to you this morning, um, I don't know what's changed here in the last few days because there's still two old white guys slinging shit at each other <laughs> and a bunch of people getting sick and dying. And it's like, well, that's been happening for nine months now. We're getting closer to election day, baby. That's what's happening. Watch come November 5th or whatever. It's like once we get clarity, if there's a clear winner, all bets are off. <laughs> Well, that's the other thing. We're a week away from the election, yeah. and people think there's going to be an a, a, an answer next week, and it's like, yeah, this isn't going to be like other elections. I don't think we're getting an answer anytime soon. It'll. I think it's going to depend. It'll depend on how close it is. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah. with that, welcome to Ordinary to Extraordinary. I'm Ben Clunt. This is my Scottish friend, Stephen Brown. We both got haircuts recently, so we're looking... Quite spiffy. So fresh and so clean. So fresh and so clean. <laughs> <laughs> got the COVID? <coughs> no. Can you die quietly, please? No. Um, Stephen got a new phone, too. It's fancy. It's shiny. He got the new iPhone 12. It's got like 5,000 cameras on the back of it. It's the iPhone 12 Pro, actually. So he likes to take selfies of himself and pictures a lot. He's like a like a little millennial girl that posts on social media. But what? Why are you looking at me like I that? I feel for? like you're talking absolute nonsense right now. You do. Gym selfies and all that stuff. Well, but what we're talking about today. If you don't today, post the gym, it didn't happen. Yeah, that's probably true, I guess. Them's the rules. If you don't post at the gym, it didn't happen. Um, today, we are going unrehearsed. We yeah. have no notes, either of us. I do have a blank pad in front of me in case something comes up I want to say. but I have my iPad, but... It's just in case we need and to look stuff this up. This was uh, at my request. Stephen is indulging me because I wanted to just organically talk about something that I've been observing over the last 
really weak that's become more apparent. Are you sure you want to do this? You're not scared of just ad-libbing? I'm not scared at all of ad-libbing. <laughs> I am not fearful of ad-libbing. <laughs> I'm, I'm always fearful of what comes out of your mouth. Did you see what I did there, though? Yeah, I did see what you did there. So today's topic is actually fear. And we'll talk a little bit more about that, expand it out a little bit, but just fear in general, really, like how fear stops people, how fear motivates people, how we seem to be so affected by fear right now and not in a positive way that it's getting kind of old. Um, fear around the election, fear around the virus, mm-hmm. and I think it's stemming to further insecurities that people have which isn't healthy either, right? I was reading a thing last night. talks about how depression is up, divorce is up, suicide is up, right? All these things, all because of fear, right? And so sometimes we're so fearful to do something or we're so fearful to act that we don't act or we act and do something that we know isn't the right thing, but we're so scared of the alternative, which could be positive, Mm -hmm. that we accept the bad for the potential, you know, because we don't know what the good even is. It's like, what in the world are we doing right now? I don't get it. Uh, I'm seeing people, even with regard to the markets a little bit, that are fearful of getting in, even though they have long-term investment time horizons. Like, do you think the market's going to go up in 10 to 20 years? Yeah. Well, then why are you not putting your money to work? Well, because what happens if it goes down next month? Then it goes down, and you put more money in. Like, Because the reality is, successful people, they lean into fear. They don't step away from fear. They don't shy away from fear. They lean into fear. They push through fear because they know that the plan is the plan and the plan leads to success, right? So it's like when you stick to the plan, knowing that there are going to be times that are fearful, guess what happens? Mm-hmm. You're successful. Look, we have been basically flirting, and we're going to stick to the stock market talk for just a second. We have been flirting. Kind of stick to it, within reason. With 30,000 on the Dow Jones for Quit. the better part of a year and a half. Quoting points to me. <laughs> on the Dow Jones, that'd be like, I don't but even know. We've been flirting with 30,000 on the Dow Jones for the better part of a year. And it's been up and it's been down and we almost got there and then it plummeted. Today it's at 26 and a half, right? But to your point, if 20 years ago you had said to a financial advisor the Dow Jones would get to 26 and a half thousand, they would have shit themselves. And they wouldn't have believed you. And people wouldn't. And well, I don't think anybody, I mean... Everybody likes to prognosticate and they have all these BS theories around what they think is going to happen, right? Mm -hmm. And most of them are unjustified. They're all based out of emotion, right, and what they feel. That's why somebody's like, well, you know, I think that the market's going to do this. Really? (laughs) Tell me what factual evidence you have to back that up, please. I'd be so interested in learning. They're like, well, I don't. It's just a feeling that I have. Like, okay. So you're going to trade on gut because that hasn't worked in the past. Or the other one that I love is sometimes they'll call and they'll be like, hey, so I know timing the market's not wrong and that's not what we're doing here. But what I'm thinking is I'll keep the money on the sidelines until the market goes down again and then we'll put it in and then we'll reap the rewards of the gains. You're like, what? What a novel idea. By the way, that's called timing the market, and you don't actually know the market's going to go down. <laughs> but you're fearful of the market going down, so you won't put the money to work. 
Is it bad that I'm enjoying your shitty week? Because it's not even shitty. I, I can it's tell that you're having these conversations daily with people. Right I'm now. actually not having them daily. Okay, but uh, it, this is just an example. This is it doesn't matter the period of time. Actually, this this could be applied to any period of time because everybody has different beliefs and what's going to happen. Uh-huh. Right? I mean, pick a market too. This doesn't have to be necessarily just the stock market because the stock market is a lot bigger than the Dow or the S and P. Right? Everyone just quotes the Dow. Wait, it is in the S and P. I know. It's not people think that that honestly. I think they think that that is the stock market. No, that is a stock market. There are hundreds of them. <laughs> Lots of stock market. More than one. It's just the one that the news likes to put out there. So, on that topic, the news. Talk about fear mongering. I did a piece. Uh, uh, it was actually titled Building Mental Market Fortitude, right? For 10 Capital. I think you saw that and you complimented me, which I was flabbergasted. I got a compliment from Stephen, folks. Let's put that on the record. And uh, the whole idea was that the media is paid to incite fear and to get eyes, right? They're paid on advertising dollars. We also have a period of time where people have social media. This is the first pandemic since the advent of social media where everybody can get on and fear monger, right? They can post everything that they feel. I'm on, a, I'm, on a, I'm on a roll here, Steve. No. And so it's like, okay, I think at some point we need a little dose of reality. We need to stop and ask what's actually scaring us, right? What's scaring us? Are you asking me to answer? No, just metaphorically. But, I mean, if you have a theory, I'd, that'd be cool too. So I'm forever being a dick. Well, yeah. And I'm going to continue the trend and point out that this isn't the first time there's been a pandemic since the social media. This is the first time that people have been able to politically gain from a pandemic since the advent of social media. Um, so, yeah, I would I would preface what you said with that. Um, I would say kind that... Kind of, though, but even like, you're talking like H1N1? H1N1, yeah. SARS. I mean, that was not as widely accepted. I mean, you didn't have Instagram as widely accepted back then. TikTok was 2012. Wasn't yeah, it wasn't as widely accepted back then. All right. You I'm think about that. That's eight years ago. Yeah. That's nine years ago. They've both been around since like 2006. So um, I'm just oh, saying them. you misspoke and I corrected you. Okay. But I'm being shallow and pedantic. Um, where I'm going with this is that what we've done as a society is we've embraced a 24-hour media cycle or news cycle. Yeah, it was terrible. Um, and we've talked about the 24-hour news cycle before. Uh, if we switched on CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, um, ABC, Today Show, all of that stuff, and every story was a feel-good story and all they did was tell us about the good things that happened, I promise we'd all get bored with it. But somehow drama bad things um saying the same thing over and over I'm going to say fake indignation and group indignation has somehow replaced critical thought and nuance yeah um so the 24-hour news cycle is a huge huge deal here when we're talking about fear and the other thing that we seem to have embraced is politicians on both sides of the divide by the way if you look at the commercials that are being run mm-hmm. right now for both all they are are smear campaigns yeah, and basically no you won't be safe if donald trump gets in and you won't be safe if joe biden gets in 
Um, and it's like, all right, so we've embraced this to where it's okay for people to fear monger and yep. nobody's annoyed about this. Well, and the, the crummy part about it is it's no longer just fear. I mean, it, it is fear, but I was telling someone the other day, we are treating politics like it's the NFL. Everybody has their teams. Mm-hmm. And by damn, their team is the one that they're rooting for, whether those guys can throw the ball or not. Yeah, regardless. It's like they're wearing that jersey. And not only that, but they've made it values-based. So now if you don't agree that my team is the best team, that is an affront to who I am as an individual. I identify as a Democrat. I identify as a Republican. And that if you disagree with me, that is just you are my enemy. You think that I am the devil. It's like, and I think you're the devil. So vice versa, right? It's like, that is fear in my mind. Mm-hmm. The fact that you would ever believe that, that your values are so weak that if somebody challenges them, that you might fall. What is wrong with this picture? <laughs> I'm just, I'm this week, I am flabbergasted this week. It's not I'm having a bad week. It's just a pensive week, right? Where I'm thinking like, where does this fear come through? Because here's what I also see as the benefit. We have, and this is straight up the truth. We have so many people that are scared, that are straight up weak. We're creating a generation of weak people that they cannot stand up for themselves or their families, or if they do stand, although they can't even agree to disagree, that they're not going to do anything. So to be successful is going to be so much easier because you're not going to have much competition. Mm-hmm. Because people aren't willing to step outside of their comfort zone because they're so scared to do something they're not supposed to do, not be politically correct, not support the right cause, you know, not have a discussion with somebody about something that hurt them because it might be confrontational, not do this, not do that, that they do nothing. They will yep. literally sit inside their house. I saw a meme the other day, which I think kind of accurately depicts the direction we're headed. It was the outline of an individual sitting in front of a computer. Did you send this out? Or you, were you just going to point to yourself or something? Was that what you were doing? Was this on our thread, actually? I'm chewing on my pen. I don't know. I don't know what you're It was about. the outline of an individual sitting at a computer. And it said work, right? He said at the computer. The next one, it was the same outline of the same individual sitting there at a computer. And it said play. And then the same outline of an individual sitting there. And it says shopping. And then the outline of the same individual says sex. And it goes on down through the line with all these things. I'm like, and it's the same outline for everything. And I was like, that is actually the world that we're living in. We are dehumanizing everything we do over fear. I mean, the fact that we might (laughs) get sick and die. Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting to me and I'm going to go in a funny direction with this. I'm going to try and be funny at least. Because <laughs> you and I haven't really talked for probably a week. Yeah. A few text messages here and there, but nothing in depth. And we certainly, I don't think I've talked to you on the phone or even in person since we recorded a week and a half ago. Um, yeah. Now oh, that I think, that I, know of, I think it's yeah. been a week and a half. And we've been on our group texts and stuff, there's been a few things, but I don't think we've had any substantial conversations. And it's like, I'm going to liken this to two women having their menstrual cycles sync up. Okay, I just took a sip of water. (laughs) But but listen to where I'm going with this because it sounds like from your rant here for a minute, and it has been a rant. Yeah. 
Um, I, I already said it was a rant early on. We have been <laughs> in the same place mentally here for about a week and a half. And I broke down at the weekend in terms of one of my friends said to me, hey, I've not seen you. What the hell's going on? We were watching UFC fights together. What the hell's going on? What's wrong with you? Where are you at? And I started off by lying and telling him everything's great. and No, I'm good. But then when I thought about it, I came back to it and I said, actually, I've been avoiding you like the plague. And I think this I've got individual? a valid... Yeah. Or is he talking to me? And I think I've got a valid reason for avoiding you like the plague. And he, he was pretty upset Taking at first back. and confused. Yeah. And I said, I disagree with a lot of your political leanings. Well, I and I disagree with how vocal you are online about it. And I disagree with how un, um, unable you are to even see nuance or acknowledge that there may be validity to another side of it. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not scared of discussing these things with you. I just don't want to What's ruin your point? day or my day. Yeah. So when I see this repeatedly, yeah, I've been avoiding you. This has been fun this morning because the fights were on at like 10 a.m. in the morning, right? Um so this has been fun and we have not discussed politics we have not discussed the economy we have not discussed covid which i guess is the economy and politics and this has been a ton of fun yeah good day but i'm probably going to continue to only engage with you in certain circumstances until we can move on from this Certainly not going to hang out with you on election week because <laughs> I don't want to hear it. The bottom line is I think we have two shit candidates. Both are unqualified to continue on or get into the gig. But yet we have 100% of people that are voting and I truly believe this. I don't think we have one person that truly likes or believes in a candidate right now, but they dislike and believe in the ideology of the parties that these candidates supposedly associate with. Mm-hmm. And that's broken. So there's that part. And then there's the other part where later on that day, talking to another friend who I haven't been avoiding, by the way, and and I, I basically said, you know, I'm at a point that this isn't me feeling sorry for myself in any way, shape, or form. I have my health. I have a good life. I'm not hurting for money or anything like that. I'm in a much better place than a lot of people are going through this pandemic. But from the start of this thing, the, the, the values and the thing, the values that I stand for and the things that I've worked for and the things that I do for fun were taken away, right? So it was bars and restaurants, travel, food, love to, to have people over, to go to play, you know, all of that stuff. Sport, the gym, Mm -hmm. um, social gatherings in general, just community. All of the things that I literally love were taken away. And they're slowly coming back in certain ways. And and I'm not the guy that fights the mask or anything. I think they're silly and they're not really doing anything, but I'm still going to wear one if I'm asked to, right? And this isn't a science argument. I don't know if they do anything or not, so... But, you know, my thing is, like, all I ever want from anything is logic. And when I ask people why something is in place, they can't answer. And they'll admit it. They're like, yeah, I think it's silly too, but I'm being asked to do this by a governor or a mandate or a city or whatever it is. I'm not mad at anybody for that except the people that are making the mandates. 
But to, to circle back around, where I'm at is I believe, and one of my friends in Scotland told me this, no one has pursued life, liberty, and happiness more or more vigorously than me and, and my group of friends. I don't know that anybody believes in the American dream as much as me. And I don't know that the majority of Americans that are bickering with each other right now understand the concept of their country, because we're not a full democracy. This is a republic. They don't understand the concept of the electoral college. They don't understand the concept of the popular vote. And they don't understand what their constitution does and how it functions. They also don't understand, and I've verified this, because the last three days I've been specifically asking Americans this. And I know this is a talk about fear, but we'll get back to that in a minute. <laughs> I asked probably 10 people this week. So far, two people have been able to tell me the three bodies of government in this country. Can you tell me? Judicial, legislative, and executive. You're now three out of 11. Literally seven people, or sorry, eight people, have been unable to hmm. name all three or the functions of them. And it's something that's taught in civics class in, in, mm -hmm. in elementary school and middle school and should be taught in high school. I think we've gotten away from it now. And it's like... In Boy Scouts. We have this fear right now that one lady is going to shape the entire, and bringing it back to fear, the entire legislative process for the next, for her lifetime. Yes. And it's like, you do realize the Supreme Court doesn't make laws, they apply laws. They can't pass laws. Yeah. <laughs> they literally take laws as they're written they're and apply a judge. them. And I'm for term limits and everything, including the Supreme Court, by the way. Yeah. But I can objectively look and say, I understand why the Supreme Court does not have a term limit. I understand why the Supreme Court has a lifetime tenure and it's so someone isn't fearful for losing their job mm. or for political pressure to vote a certain way on an issue. So we have fear everywhere right now and where I'm going with this is that you and I seem to have both kind of just hit the wall here in the last week, week and a half and we're sick and tired of it and when I say tired I mean mentally exhausted yeah. with even though we have an outlet and we talk and put this podcast out, you know the biggest fear you and I have had for the last nine months? Being yelled at on the street. Being yelled at in the street. Having an opinion. <laughs> we didn't talk about that before, but that's actually... Yeah. yeah. Having an opinion. Saying yeah. something to somebody and then well, being offended by something that they have zero right to be offended by. And combat back. That makes me fearful. Yeah. Like, I, I love a good intellectual conversation, combative conversation even, right? Mm -hmm. Love it. Like test my values, test my knowledge base. Like that's how we grow, right? As human beings, that's how we become more well-rounded individuals. I'm not fearful of somebody challenging my beliefs. Great stuff. What I'm fearful of is getting into a discussion like that and having somebody be so angry that there's, it's not a discussion. It's a one-sided thing where I vocalize an opinion. They've come back with an opposing opinion where they decide that they should berate me. And are so unwilling to even have an open uh, discussion or even agree to disagree, mm -hmm. right? We talked about this. It was at a thing I talked about before, but uh, Colin Powell did a talk here in town. And it was, 
I've heard him speak a couple times now. I'd love his perspective. I wish he would have ran for office for political or for president. I mean, like I respect him more for not doing it. I know, seriously. <laughs> but he's the type of guy where you're like, dang it, where were you? Mm-hmm. He's like, diplomacy is dead. Like these politicians can't come in anymore and give and take. It's all or nothing. The Democrats come in and they want. We want everything that we're asking for for health care. The Republicans came and said, we want everything that we're asking for on the fiscal side of things, right? And it's, if you don't give us it, we're not doing a deal. If you don't give us it, we're not doing a deal. Instead of, hey, we'll give you these things, and you give us these things. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. And this t- next time around, we'll give you this on the fiscal side, and you give us this on the health care side. Okay, diplomacy. Progress is made. Mm-hmm. This day and age, we're in a back-and-forth stalemate of enacting policy retracting policy, enacting policy, retracting policy. It's like, what in the world is going on? We're getting nowhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let me ask you this. What does compromise mean to you? Compromise? Mm-hmm. means not getting 100% of what you thought you might have wanted to get. Okay. So if we go... Zero to a hundred, right? On both sides. So let's say zero is the middle point, and you've got a hundred percent one side and a hundred percent the other, right? Yep. For me, That's compromise is meeting somewhere close to zero, right? And it might somewhere be ten percent, twenty percent, one way or the other. I think what we've done is we've created this expectation, and this is why people are fearful of entering into discussions and arguments. And I think it's why. Um, I'm not going to say what I think is going to happen here in the election. I've I've told you offline. Um, But I think there's a huge silent group of people in this country that are disgusted one way or the other, and they're going to vote in huge numbers. And it's not these noisy ones that you see online. But compromise has become this expectation that you disavow completely your, your standards, your values, and what you think is right. Yeah and you jump across the border all the way from one extreme to the other. And we forget all this nuance in the middle. We forget all this yeah, middle ground. It's not black and white, people. Right? And the, the point I always give is, look, this is not me saying I'm for or against this. This is me making a simple, objective point that I can see nuance. On the left of the country... They want abortion, and they want abortion into late term, and it, they want it to be used, essentially, in my opinion, like a form of contraception. On the extreme right, they want no abortion. They want nothing illegal. They want to disavow people that have abortion. And then somewhere in the middle there, if you look at it objectively, it's like, okay, there are horrific things that happen to women. Mm-hmm. We should protect those women. And we should protect them early. There are, however, stipulations within the law that if there's a pregnant lady and I shoot her and she dies, I then get tried for killing two people. Mm-hmm. Despite the fact, the fact there's precedent within the law that that baby can be killed legally. Right? Yeah, which is weird, right? So again, where's the nuance? Yep. Again, not me saying I'm for or against. I'm probably somewhere in the middle. I would like 
other options. I don't want anybody to die. I don't want anybody to be forced to have a child that they don't want to love and care for. It doesn't mean that there's not other options, right? That being said, I'm being told I'm not allowed to have an opinion on it because I don't have a vagina or a uterus. Gosh. (laughs) And then that goes down a whole other path. So again, the nuance is taken away and it's black or white and you have to support or not. And it's like, well, I can see both sides. I literally can have an objective conversation about this, right? Or we can turn it into a subjective conversation and say, can you see the nuance? Can you see the gray matter here? Can you see why all the way to the extreme of the right and all the way to the extreme of the left is probably wrong? And if we were willing to work and discuss and have term limits and put people into power who would actually achieve something as opposed to spending a lifetime draining society of their taxes and making a shitload of money as politicians, maybe we're less fearful to have these grey matter discussions. Yeah. Right? So I kind of bring that back to fear. Grey is politics. Exactly. Grey is everything. Yeah. That's where we need to be living. <laughs> Nuance is what black makes and life white, interesting. Black and white does not work. Black and white leads to nothing. Yeah. Exactly. So we have to get back to the point if we ever want to be, or else if the other countries figure it out, if they figure it out gray, and we stick in the black and white, we will fall behind. Mm-hmm. And Scotland will rule us. <laughs> nah. And Stephen's going to be happy that he had nothing. <laughs> But you get what I'm saying, right? It's like, it's the same in business, right? If we believe that we are not a business as a country, then we're screwed. I mean, yeah. like, right? It's like, yeah, we have certainly have different aspects. But so back to the fear thing, though. Uh, Can I ask you a question on fear? Sure. What is your biggest fear? What, what, what are already talked about some this. things that you're most fearful? I know, but I want to reiterate it. Do you and remember talk it? In detail. Mediocrity. Yeah. Being mediocre. Yeah. And not at all things, but just like you want people to look at you and say like, you did a good job. You did a good job with life, right? And that's what I want. My fear is that somebody looks at me and be like, ah, you were a mediocre advisor, mediocre dad. Like you were average, below average me. Like that'd be like, wow, glad I really accomplished nothing. <laughs> but again, there's a level of subjectivity and nuance there that Mediocre to one person is totally huge totally. success to another. I know because I know people look at me right now and be like, "Oh my gosh, you already are." That sounded like, "Oh my gosh," <laughs> like no. That mm-hmm. I know people look at me and think that I'm successful. I I get that right, and I think success is relative to those around you in the similar field, right? Mm-hmm. So success in finance is something very different depending on where you're at, right? Success in income is very different depending. I mean, if I'm sitting there with a construction buddy and I'm sitting there, you know, with some entrepreneur that started a tech company 10 years ago <laughs> that's now publicly traded, okay, our success all looks very different. Like my success relative to the tech entrepreneur that has a publicly traded company and makes $5 million a year looks a little different. He looks quite successful compared to me. S- sitting compared to the construction guy from a purely income standpoint mine i look super successful compared to him from a purely income standpoint purely job based mm-hmm. right but that's those aren't fair comparisons no because construction doesn't pay what finance pays and finance doesn't necessarily pay for the risk that the entrepreneur took on to start his tech company so define for me what mediocrity would look like for you never growing in my business okay so 
there you go you're not mediocre in that regard what else what <laughs> so here's the thing i know that i'm not mediocre okay. fears can be irrational yeah right? that's so, where i was going with it yeah no and i know that like i i know that i do self checks on that just to be like dude like go look at what you've done the last couple of years right go look at your kids go look at your house go look at your wife and what you've been you know able to accomplish with her so it's like no i get all that like but again a lot of the time fear is irrational and it's emotionally driven mm-hmm. so coming back to some of this is right that's when you have to lean into that knowing that it's emotionally driven that's the point i'm trying to make is that if we know that fear is emotionally driven you got to push through your emotions mm-hmm. you got to lean into it so here's the, the 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 great thing about this and you know i've read a lot of books um in particular books that are looking to push you drive you leadership books and you're right fear is 100 percent emotionally driven it is an emotional it's an emotional um, spark, we'll call it, right? So at its instance, it's emotional. You're scared, you're mm-hmm. fearful. And it can cripple or motivate. But fear usually has physical um, manifestations. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. to the point that, and I'm talking your hair as out, literal as... Yeah gray hair mm-hmm. you know stress yep, yep. um uh, hives stress hives you know sickness anxiety pain, shoulders yeah, are tight. all of this stuff so it's one of those unique things in life that can be both emotional and physical mm-hmm. um and where i'm going with this is that the best way to deal with fear in any way shape or form is to embrace it you you have to embrace the fact that you're going to be scared in almost everything I'll, you do that's worth doing. I'll tell a story, and I might have told it before, and it was, I, I don't get fearful, right? Like, it's just not, because uh, I'm always like, I mean, I'll have a tinge of it, but then I like do the reality check, and it, uh, there's a couple times where I'm fearful, but I usually stop and go like, okay, so I fail. Like, oh, I, I, I do that and I lose my job. Okay, then I'll start over and I'll do it again. I still have my family. I can sell my house. I can get a small. Okay, I'm not, am I going to be unhappy? Maybe temporarily, but not permanently. So an example of uh, fear. The first house we bought, I remember our house in Northwood, which I don't think you ever actually went there, did you? No, okay. So I know where it is. I know your neighbors as well, or your old neighbors. Yeah, so we, we bought this house in Northwood. Beautiful home, cool spot. I remember we, we made this offer on this thing, and it was at the top of our budget. Uh, and I was terrified because we had never been in debt before. We had the money for the down payment, but I was terrified because never been in debt. Now I'm going hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. Like, what the heck is going on? Like, uh, I remember almost having a panic attack at the little house that we were living at. And Lauren's like, well, we don't have to do it. Like, we don't have to do it. And when I think about it now, like, her saying that, for one, was a stress relief. Mm-hmm. Like, knowing that, like, oh, yeah, we don't have to do it. But then... I was like, no, we're going to do it. Like, we're going to lean into this and we're going to do it, right? Like, to, at some point, you just need to take the leap. I don't think that you're ever going to feel like, I'm going to wait till I'm a little more comfortable to do these things, right? And buying that house allowed us to gain a lot of equity in it because we bought it at a really good time and got a really good deal on it and did some shrewd little things when we bought it. 
and uh, made a lot of money on it and allowed us to buy the house that we're in now and be in a position that most people my age aren't. Because mm-hmm. I leaned into that fear. Yeah. Right? Uh, I could have freaked out and Lauren would have said, okay, fine, we don't have to do it. And I would have said, you're right. We don't, yeah, no, no, you're right. I'm not going to do it. I'm freaking out. Look, let's just buy some tiny little conservative thing. Right? And that was conservative for where we were at from a financial standpoint. Mm-hmm. But... I leaned into my fear and it advanced us. Yeah, you embraced it. So, well, but me, again, just one more thing to wrap up. Like, don't necessarily think that you're ever going to be 100% comfortable doing something, right? Because even after that, like, we bought that rental house and I was a little uncomfortable with it. But I knew, I knew that it was going to be okay, whatever happened, right? So I bought it. Mm-hmm. So you just keep, and, it, and that worked out really well too. Well, you've already said fear can be irrational, right? Yeah. Um, but it can also be rational. Um, nothing I've ever been scared of doing has ever been as bad as I thought it was going to be when I was scared to do it. And here's the other part. Did you regret doing it afterwards? I never regret anything. Literally have zero regrets in my life, even the bad stuff. And I know that sounds really philosophical and bullshit, <laughs> but it's true. Everything I've done to this point has gotten me to where I am and I like where I'm at and I like who I am so I don't necessarily agree with that but that's fine because I know that's who you are so I think there are certainly things that I have said that I don't I wish that I didn't say to people right like I regret saying things to people at times and because uh, it hurt them or did something like that yeah right and so I, I don't think those are great things but can I expand on what I said sure so to me regret means to your point you wish you had not done it Mm -hmm. right and there's literally nothing that i wish i hadn't done there's things i look back on and i take wisdom knowledge and experience from and if i'm ever faced with similar situations i absolutely would handle them differently yeah but it doesn't mean that i regret doing them when i did them that's the explanation I'm given and it's I think regret leads to second guessing and it leads to fear and I think the way you reduce fear is to not have regrets and to embrace the mistakes you've made and not look at them as negative things but rather look at them like I said I'm taking knowledge wisdom and experience and I can apply in the future so see I would probably one of those things where it's different terminology I'd say there's certainly things that I regret, but I don't dwell on them. Regret? Yeah, I said that wrong. Regret, <laughs> but I don't dwell on them. Like that right there. Yeah. So, so it's we're like, saying the same thing. It's like, so there are things that I do regret. I wish I hadn't done, but eh, I screwed up. I'm human. I get it. I'm going to move on from it. I'm not going to do that in the future. I sure know I'm not doing that then. again. That's an experience. That's not a regret in my book. So. Oh, I mean, because I, I think regret would come back to would you or would you not do it again? No. I disagree. Okay, well, that's going to be one of those diplomacy. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. It's, it's just a, <laughs> it's a, a t- tomato thing, right? Tomato, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and since we are about leadership and mental health, one of the things around fear that I want to talk about is how degrading it can be for somebody's mental health. And I think this year has been an excellent example of that right i mean 
you see more people struggling with what is going on this year than I think probably any ever year. I have more friends, myself included, that are have struggled this year from a mental health standpoint. Some of the reasons that you mentioned earlier with not being able to be in community, go out with your friends to a bar, go to dinner, go to the park, even with your kids. It's at one point this year. It's like, at some point you just get fatigued and tired and depressed, right? Depressed might be an extreme example of it, but Mm -hmm. that would be the, the, the lineage, right? And it's all driven by either your own fear or other people's fear that is pushed upon you, right? In the form of laws at this point in this year. So I... I did, and I don't know what the answer is. I wish I had knew exactly what the answer is, right? Because you could say, lean into the fear, right? Mm-hmm. And it's hard. That's what you should do when it's lawful, <laughs> is lean into the fear. But there's certain, I mean, you can't walk into a, a building without a mask and not have somebody yell at you, really, at this point in time, right? Yeah. And you're like, well, I'm not scared of doing it, so I'm leaning into my fear. Or it's like, okay, well, there's, okay, different topic. But... Look, what I'm getting at is I think people in these times you need to remember to do the things that are going to create positive mental health mm-hmm. when you are working in a period of time that is driven by fear. Yeah. Cuz there's going to be periods of uncertainty which can be fearful. But that doesn't mean it's going to be the end of everything. That's like I think people sometimes Look, think fear is the end. We um it's easy for us to say lean into the fear, right? Embrace yeah. the fear. Those are slogans. Those are high-level quotes that you might get from a John Maxwell or a friggin' Gary Bishop. Or but in most whatever. times, they're true. Yeah. But what we generally don't get from them is any kind of specifics. It's very general, yeah. high-level Looks good on a poster. Bullshit. Yeah, it looks good on a T-shirt. It looks good on a bumper sticker. Whatever it is, right? And it sells books. Yeah. But I guess the advice I give to everybody, right, and, and I'm going to be really friggin' brutally honest here, I have never been as socially anxious as I am now. I'm outspoken. I have opinions. And I'm really fearful, literally fearful right now, of the company that I keep. Now, I know the people I can trust, obviously, and the people I can be myself around. But I am avoiding social situations and I'm avoiding people, like I talked about early, and I'm avoiding giving opinions on most things right now because regardless of what I say, I can't win. And we talked about this when we had um, Philip Tyler in. Yep. Before we had him in, we didn't think we could talk about any racial issues. Yeah. Because we're two white guys and we're not supposed to have an opinion on it unless it's the opinion that a lot of people have embraced. I think talking with an openness to learn yeah. is one thing, though. So what I'm going to do is when I say embrace the fear or lean into it, yeah, it all starts with sharing what you're thinking with somebody that you trust implicitly, right? Yep. Yeah. And that can be yeah. a brother, sister, wife, aunt, uncle, mom, dad, friend, whatever it needs to be. But you have to share what you're feeling, right? And that's what mental health is all yep. about. Yeah. The internalizing of it. And I'll tell you, yep. since those two conversations I mentioned earlier over the weekend, I feel better. Yep. I opened up to somebody. And mm-hmm. I open up to you most weeks. Mm-hmm. I just... I mean, I didn't realize you were as far down the path as I was, and it was inevitable. I think you and I are somewhat mentally strong. Yeah. But it was inevitable even for us. 
and not that we're superhuman to hit that wall. Here's the thing though. I don't feel like at this point, at least any mental fatigue around it or any like, Oh, I'm so just tired of it. Mine right at this point is merely an observation. And here's what I know is like, I know that I'll be fine no matter what happens because I'm adaptable and I push. So I I will push myself to get to where I want to be. So you can change the game mid game and I'm going to still push. That's exactly where I'm at. Right. So it's like, that's not fun. But I know there are people that will break. Mm-hmm. And guess what? That doesn't mean that I'm like just some mentally strong person. Like I certainly am not the mentally most mentally strong person. I certainly need help at times. But guess what? I go and I t- get it when I need it. And I take rest when I need to. Well, look. Because I'm human. I've shared before. I take huge solace in my men's group, right? Yeah. I love being around those guys. We've been back to doing things in person. We're working through a really cool uh, project just now. Um, Like, really freaking enjoying it, right? Tuesday, we were supposed to get together. Monday night, I slept like crap. Don't know why. Nothing different. Went to bed, didn't sleep well. Woke up a little later than normal. So instead of 4, it was like 4.40. Instead of getting to the gym at 5, it would have been 5.30. was supposed to meet with the guys at 6.30. Um, by the time I'd do my uh, pre-workout poop and get going in the gym, it would have been 5.45. 45-minute workout just wasn't going to cut it. So I basically said, look, from a mental standpoint, from a physical standpoint, and from a, a wellness standpoint, I need to get that cathartic release of training and doing something physical more than I need to sit down with those guys and talk through this topic that we're going to talk through this morning. So I text one of the guys and I said, look, I'd appreciate it if you could just let them know this morning I need to train to put myself in a good place more than I need to meet with the guys. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the things I appreciate was about 10 minutes into my workout Maybe 20 minutes in, I get this text from one of the other guys, and he basically just said, Stephen, you're a wanker. Can't believe you blew us off. Now, I know he was kidding. Yeah. <laughs> but I also appreciate that they all accepted that, and we've all texted since, and a few of them checked in on me, like, hey, you're doing good. But I just, I would have been a passenger, right? Yeah. I needed to do something physical to wake myself up. Yeah, that's good. Mentally, I wasn't there. I hadn't slept right. And I, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it right. And I knew I couldn't participate the way I like to participate in that. So where I'm, where I'm going is I embraced that I might, get, I might disappoint people, but I did it for the right reason. Yeah. And I think it's okay to disappoint people for the right reasons if you're looking after yourself. Yeah, I mean, if you're constantly disappointing them, that's one thing, right? You become unreliable. Mm-hmm. That's, that's one thing. But... You make it up to them and you show them that it's a one-time thing. That's different. Well, look, a few weeks ago, I said, look, I can't be on the call at 6.30. They suggested moving it to 7. Now, I don't think they would do that for everybody in the group. And I'm not blown. This isn't me talking myself up. I do know I'm an integral part of this group. I I carry a lot of the conversation. I bring a different perspective because all the other guys are married with kids. Yeah. So I bring a lot to the group. But I just didn't have it in me that day. That's not so. what they tell me off air. Hmm? That's not what they tell me off air. 
You're such a dick. <laughs> I know like half of his group too, so that's the fun part. I think you know more than half. You should know most of them. Um, but but like yeah, it. so you wanted to talk about fear, Ben. If yeah. you were to I did. sum up how you want people to feel about fear, what would it be? I would say fear doesn't need to be fearful. Fear doesn't need to be scary. Fear can be a tool that you utilize to motivate yourself, right? I mean, if you use fear in the right way, it can be a propulsion. Like it can be something mm-hmm. that you're out running to get something positive, something better for yourself and your family, right? Mm-hmm. So use fear. Use fear. Don't let it cripple you. Use it to motivate you. That would be what I'd say about fear. I like fear. that concept. It's funny. Um, I'm in the process of hiring a couple of people for Heartland. And one of the things I talked to my boss about was, look, I see about I see potential in people. I'm also of the opinion that I'm going to be slow to hire and quick to fire, right? I think that's a perfectly healthy way to be. I want to speak to spouses. I want to do spousal interviews. I want to learn if there's a support structure in place because what we're doing is not easy. It's really yeah. hard. If the wife's like, they're going to be home by four yeah. every day. There's a lot of rejection. I need to know that when that person goes home, whether it be wife, husband, partner, whatever, they're going to support this person through what they've been through. Now, where was I going with this? So, yeah, hiring somebody. So, um, one of the things that I'm fearful of for the people I hire is that they can come in and not make money, mm-hmm. right? But everybody that I have the conversation with, my ultimate purpose is to frighten the living Jesus out of them so that they look at this role and go, oh shit, this is hard. Yeah. But I also have to dangle enough of a carrot to show them that you can build true wealth and establish yourself and your family as a successful person with tons and tons and tons of freedom. As well as work though. Now, this is where I was ultimately going with this. That balance of fear Mm -hmm. and the incentive should be in everything we do, right? Yeah, totally. It should well, be, people aren't going to do it if there isn't an incentive. It should be the same way I grew up fearful of my parents. I was scared to disappoint them. I was scared I was going to get an ass whooping, and I got plenty of ass whoopings. <laughs> but, but there was the incentive to do well as well. There was the incentive that if I don't fuck this up, if I work hard, if I do the things I'm supposed to do, the ultimate reward is the respect and the freedom and the the uh, plaudits that you get from your folks, right? And if I was to come back to, if we want to talk about society as a whole, I think that's something that we're sorely lacking now. I don't think enough children, teens and young adults have that healthy fear of disappointing their parents, have that healthy fear of if you do this, you're going to get your ass kicked. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I'm, but I, I do have to say, I do not endorse respect. kids getting beat. I do endorse kids getting a slap to the ass. <laughs> All right? There's a difference. There's a huge difference. Um, and that healthy fear, that's something we haven't talked about, the healthy fear. 
Yeah. People think of fear as a negative, debilitating. So I'm saying it doesn't have to be. Guess what? That's why you lean into it. Do you know what fear's done for me more than anything else? It's put a chip on my shoulder. Mm. And if you want to talk about your fear of mediocrity, there's a chip on your shoulder in every meeting you have, in every interaction you have. Yeah. There's that fear that this person's going to think I'm ordinary and I need to be extraordinary. Look what I just did. <laughs> Look what I Look just what did. Look what I just did. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, okay. I think that there's a healthy fear as well yeah. that you can you can utilize. So I was saying utilize it to motivate mm-hmm. you, not to cripple you. Because fears can certainly cripple, right? And people, that's why you hear of midlife crises, right? Yeah. <laughs> because people didn't do the things that they've always wanted to do because they were fearful of what might happen. It's like, don't live in fear. Go in and do it and fail or do it and succeed and or do it and just have lived it. Yeah. Oh, and for the record, I don't have any children. So if anybody's thinking of calling CPS, there's no need. I also don't coach kids anymore. So I, I can talk about what we just talked about. Oh, jeez. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, thank you guys for listening today, listening to our rant. Yeah. We really didn't get down into the fear the way we could have. We did a little bit, though. We got and a lot it was, off our chest, though. Uh, we did do it in a way that I kind of wanted it to, and that was with regard to our current environment that we're living in. Yeah. Because I think still, I still believe, like, there's too much fear out there and not enough people just letting it roll off their backs, too, right? It's like, what, what, okay, I, I'm not, I'm not, we, this would start a whole other conversation. I'm not even going to say it. But no, it's I like, like this. At some point... You can't live in fear of everything. You just got to go. And if you are taking shots, then take shots and spit out the bullets and keep moving forward. Right? Yeah. It's like, just keep going. Don't live in fear and let it cripple you. It's like in the times when you're fearful, sometimes you need to stick to your habit too. And you need, or need to do, to go back to the things mm-hmm. that bring you some comfort. A warm cup of coffee, sitting, looking out the window, going for a walk, going to the gym in your case. Like, watching a movie with your wife do those things that bring you comfort to get through the fearful times and to push on and to rest from both a mental mental and a physical standpoint but you you touched on something there that i think we could talk about i know for that's an entire that's topic ridiculous. do you know what it was uh which part no, essentially no, 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 it was specifically the, you do you bro is what you were saying it's like yeah. look we are so busy again as a society fearful of what the people looking over the fence are going to think and how they're going to judge us and we're doing it back we're looking over their fence and going oh look at those Mm, they do it this way they spanked their kid they must be terrible people right again I keep coming back to that people are going to think I just want to beat up all the kids (laughs) but no where I'm going with it is and I can't I I don't even want to say this PC mind your own fucking business and do you (laughs) Literally, so do much. you yeah. do what you think is right within reason and take care of the shit you need to take care of? Other people don't matter because the people that matter are going to love that you're doing you and going to love that you're doing the things that you need to embrace the fear and get, get through things. And the people that don't matter are going to judge. We're all judged. I judge. I judge everybody. Yeah. Just realizing that you're judging them, mm-hmm. knowing it. Right? And then saying, that's not necessarily right. Yeah. But I'm judging them. <laughs> I had to do a training thing for work. And it was... Um, our training's through the roof right now for 
you got to learn about all these sensitive groups and what upsets everybody. So the thing was unconscious bias was what the... Uh, and it was two hours of my life I'll never get back, unfortunately. Um, if anybody from Heartland or Global Payments is listening to this, I make no apologies for what I'm about to say. But the whole time I'm sitting and I'm going, oh, I'm biased for sure. It's not unconscious. I'm wholly aware of this. And I'm aware I'm biased like that. And I'm aware of this, but I'm only biased like that as people demonstrate those actions, not before. If someone acts in a certain manner, that's not a bias. I'm fully conscious of what they're doing and I'm fully conscious of what I think of them. I'm never going to stop that. I'll do this stupid training module and move on from it. But yeah, that's a whole different thing. (laughs) Well, that's because Heartland is fearful of being sued. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you guys for listening today. We're going to sign off before we get onto another topic. (laughs) If you guys enjoy listening to us, Rand, just call us up. Let's have a coffee. Um, Last week, we released a cool podcast with JJ Vansell. Yeah. Go and listen to that if you listen to this before that. Uh, Facebooks, uh, Instagrams, all of that stuff. Go check us out. Add us, follow us, rate us, reviews. interviews coming up here. Yep. And guess what, Ben? Before we go, we're creeping up on 100 episodes. For our 100th episode, we have to do something special. Somebody pointed that out to me today. Somebody pointed that out to me today. So, yeah, we're going to have to get our... If you have any requests for 100th, Let's do something different. 100. Maybe we go live on the the YouTube or something as well, and we do a live episode for the 100th with a cool guest. A cool guest? Aren't, weren't they all cool? Yeah. 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 Okay, yeah. let's get off the yeah. All right. Thanks again for listening. Until the next time, be good to yourselves and to each other. Boom. <laughs>